Van Helsing. Now that you have learned what you have learned, it would be well for you to return to your own country. I prefer to remain and protect those whom you would destroy. You are too late. My blood now flows through her veins. She will live through the centuries to come, as I have lived. Should you escape us, Dracula, we know how to save Miss Mina's soul, if not her life. If she dies by day, but I shall see that she dies by night. <laughs> Hey, welcome to the Film Coterie. This is our Halloween fun, enjoyable little segment we're going to do tonight. And we have two films we're going to talk about. The first one is the classic 1931, the movie that I would argue launched every representation that you see, or most of them today, and that is Dracula. Now, he's not the first time he's ever appeared on screen. Of course, there's the 22 silent film Nosferatu, and there's probably some other German filmmaker raising his hand up, screaming right now, I did one in 30, you know. But um, this is the the um, Bela Lugosi breakout role, famous role of Dracula. Um, ah, So, Adam... When I say, you, I, I know you've seen the 1931 Dracula, and you know I'm a classic movie, and I love the, I've seen practically every universal classic horror movie that there is. I've seen just about all of them. So I love this genre. It's 1930s, which I consider the greatest decade of filmmaking ever. But that's just me. You're welcome to a different opinion. That's totally fine. What do you think of what comes to your mind when when I say Dracula, nineteen thirty one? What what pops up? It's just Bela Lugosi. I mean, his his look as Dracula that has always been mimicked. You know, with a little bit of the Widow's Peak and oh yes, and everything. And I I did not get a chance to rewatch this. I've seen this, but it was ten years ago. Um, so I'm not fresh on Dracula. I did like it when I saw it. I need to rewatch it. And I think, without spoiling anything, we'll get that chance in the near future, locally. There you go. Um, but, you know, this I like the movie, but, you know, I just have to say my favorite Universal Monster movie is still the, the James Whale Frankenstein. Which is, which is an incredible, incredible movie as well. So let me set the stage for this. Uh, of course, it's Halloween night, but uh, let's backtrack a couple nights to Saturday night and, um, or excuse me, Friday night. And uh, sitting around with my son, Zach, 16 years old. And I said, Zach, you, you, know, you want to watch a horror movie with me? No, nah, Dad, I'm going to bed. Uh, he, he don't like horror movies at all. And I said, no, 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 this is an old black and white. It's kind of fun, campy. You'll enjoy this. Uh, I said, let's watch the original Dracula from 1931. So we fired up Shudder on the, on the play. And, and one of the great things about the Shudder, if you're not familiar with it, it's one of those apps that you can get on your iTunes that's a movie app, you know. And they play all horror movies. And, and about 90% I don't even have no interest to watch, but they have all those old Universal Monster films 
in their collection, which is awesome. And so we fired up Dracula in 1931 and watched the whole film. And I saw him, his eyes would get big, and I saw him getting into it and watching it and looking at it. And we did it right. We watched it 10 o'clock at night. We turned all the lights out, big screen TV. And he really enjoyed the film. He, 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 he would make comments like, Dad, because my son Zach is really into drama. He does drama at school. He's into acting. And so he's like, Dad, look, look, look how Dracula's holding himself. He said, look at his hands. Look at his arm. He was making these comments while we were watching it. He was so impressed with this movie, you know. And so that was kind of cool as a dad, you know, to get him to. He just loved it, enjoyed it. It holds up great for me. Um, if you've not seen the original 1931 uh, Dracula, you know, uh, Bela Lugosi was not even supposed to star in this. Literally, Lon Chaney, who had been famous in the 20s, Hunchback of Notre Dame was, I think, his last one that he had done. He was, you know, he was the iconic, you know, star of the time was going to be that, but he died right before the production started on this. And so they went back to Bela Lugosi, who in 1927 had done this on Broadway, had played Dracula. And for years, there were rumors that, you know, Bela Lugosi had, didn't even know English when they hired him. And that's why he used, you know, my name is Count Dracula, you know, that... It's overly pronounced. Yeah, overly pronounced. And he used he was a Hungarian, so he had that accent as well. And people thought he overpronounced it intentionally because he didn't know English very well. And that was a rumor that I believe that all grown up. Well, come to find out the dude had been acting in the United States for like 10 years before that on Broadway. So he knew how to speak, but his performance is so genius. He uses his, his is this even a word, his foreignness? His his Hungarian his mysteriousness his his accent he does overpronounce intentionally and he brings such a strong seductive kind of quality I mean it is the standard by which all other Draculas are measured now uh, the movie's brilliant the acting is brilliant um, the guy that played opposite of him let me pull his name up I think it was a David Manners who played. Um, Harker, uh, no Dwight Fry that played Renfield. Oh yes, who he was physical. It reminded me of the guy that does all these mocaps now that did Planet of the Apes and all. Andy Circus. Yes, it's that kind of physicality, crazy, wild-eyed, um, just an amazing performance that my son Zach just loved. Uh, he, he he, you know, just to kind of no spoilers here. It's a movie that's. 90 years old, <laughs> you know, but here's the deal. It starts out over in Transylvania, but Dracula wants to go to London for some reason. He, he wants to move out of Transylvania. So he finds this, this lawyer, this accountant, this guy that purchases this property for him, comes to Transylvania to get him to sign the papers, and Dracula puts him in a trance and spellbounds him, you know, and he ends up, uh, uh, putting him in a box and carrying him and his three wives over to London. And, and it's just so the whole story is, is now we're sitting in London, the moors, the, 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 the fog, this, this estate that's right next to the sanitarium where, hello, the guy that brought him over Renfield ends up in the sanitarium crazy, you know? And so you have this, and then there's of course the beautiful lady that Dracula is drawn to, 
and you have the Dracula story. You know, he's trying to seduce her and turn her into another one of his brides, and 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 you have, of course, um, um, oh, Van Helsing. Yes, so you have the vampire hunters form. Yes. It's Van Helsing, Harker, and Doctor Seward. Yes, and so that those guys will, will become the vampire hunters, and so. I don't know. It's just a fantastic movie. The the physicality, the way that uh, Bella Lugosi would hold his, would posture him. I know you can't. I, I'm turning like this on the podcast right now, but the way he would turn himself and the way he would just kind of like, you know, come at it, look really stiff and all this, and and the way he would hold his, he, he would like deform his hands so they look like claws. There's no prosthetics. I mean, he just did this naturally. Just incredible acting, just flat out incredible acting, and so it was so fun to take a memory down. If you if you get a chance, you've got to see the nineteen thirty one original Dracula. Yeah, I, I highly recommend it. I recently watched the brand the uh, the nineties one from Francis Ford Coppola, and again, it it doesn't quite hold up. But the Dracula story is interesting because the source material is hard to translate. I don't know if you've ever read Bram Stoker's Dracula. It's not a narrative. The book itself is just a collection of journal entries, diary entries, newspaper articles. There's no actual narrative through the book. It's just reading these reports. Right, yeah. So we know the general story. Dracula comes to <clears throat> London. Lucy Westeros gets, or Westos. It's like Game of Thrones. I'm thinking Westeros. It's Lucy something. She gets bitten. The vampire hunters form, and they chase him back to Transylvania. She's just called Lucy in the movie. Yeah. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah absolutely. And... Um, one of the things I loved about this was that there was such a an intimacy with Dracula and his victims, like in a in a modern Dracula, you know, or even what was it, the stupid? Uh, I shouldn't say stupid. The uniquely made HBO series about the vampires, you know, they would just <laughs> True Blood. Yes, I should have guessed when he said stupid. I'm sorry. <laughs> the uniquely made one. You know, modern vampire movies, they show Dracula grab the person, whip his head back, his fangs pop out, and you see him sink his teeth and blood gushes in the neck, and you see him, you know. And so that's what we get today. Back then, it was a slow. He, he moved in slowly, and her and the lighting would change. The lighting would be on his eyes and then on her, and then he would lean in and, 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 and just almost like he's going to kiss her on the neck, almost like a something just amazingly sexual about what he was about to do, you know? And he would lean in, and just before, it would fade out. You you never see the violence implied. on screen. It's always implied. And so it, in my, in my uh, thinking, it becomes so much more powerful because it's an implied violence, and and you you have to create what actually happened in your mind, you know, um, and it, yeah, is it corny because it's special effects from 1931? The bats, you know, they on strings. Look, like, you know, they're on strings, and it's kind of it's the kind of bats you would see in an episode of the Muppets today, you know. But hey, it's what they had to work with back then, you know. So well, the sets were amazing. Oh, that's one thing they did better than anything back then. Were just these castle sets and everything yep. else, the gothic look. Yes, a- absolutely. And so, loved it. I- I'm, I'm trying to see what else I had from my notes here. Um, well, I'd, I'd point out, too, the director, Todd Browning, also did Freaks. Yes, which we reviewed on this podcast, and uh, all, all three of us really enjoyed it. Um, 
And uh, the cinematographer, Carl Freund, a German fella, he also did Metropolis. He did Freaks as well, was a cinematographer. And then uh, if you study a little bit about him on IMDb and some history behind him, he came up with the television three-camera system, how you know we take it for granted, the side shot and then the over-the-shoulder shot and then the wide shot. That three-camera system was – he invented that and created it that everybody uses now, you know, unless you're like NCIS and it's a handheld camera system or whatever. <laughs> Let's not talk about the cinematography of NCIS. <laughs> or one of those crime dramas or whatever. So. Close in as he pulls down his sunglasses and delivers a one-liner. Yes. <laughs> hey, it's Halloween, folks. This is a much more laid-back episode than we normally do. So – Anyway, I can't recommend the Universal Monster series. We so much want them to redo the Universal Monster Correctly. S- correctly. <laughs> Let me jump in there. We don't want the Tom Cruise mess so, they gave us last summer. So let's, for those that are listening real quickly, and we'll wrap this up and get to our second movie. Those listening real quickly, the, Univ- the Universal Monster movies. Let, let, let me just name them. You tell me which ones I missed. We got, we got Dracula. We got the monster of Frankenstein, right? We got Frankenstein. We've got the mummy. We got the wolf man. We have the invisible man. Who am I missing? That's five. Phantom of the Opera. Phantom of the Opera. Creature from the Black Lagoon. Yeah. So, so uh, come on, Adam. You got any more? That's seven right there. Well, Bride of Frankenstein. And then you have the sequels, Bride of yep. Frankenstein. And I even love, I love the Abbott and Costello universal monster films i think those are some brilliant ones as well too so um it would be fun to do a whole series maybe where we where we review the universal maybe i'll get my other film coterie classics edition host kevin and him and i will review some of those universal monster uh original films you know so and i will say this you saw this on shutter shutter is a streaming service it's a subscription based it's five dollars a month Um, five bucks man they have a wide assortment of horror, and every month they, they surprise me with something really unique. They're getting some hard-to-find stuff, so I've had Shutter now for about a year. I think it's worth the subscription price. Um, the other good way to see the Universal Monsters right now is there's a Blu-ray box set that I bought last year. It was on Amazon. It's a good price. You get everything. Nice. So I recommend that box set if you see it on Amazon. Oh, absolutely. I may have to invest. Or maybe I'll put a Christmas request out for that set for, from the wife. But uh, anyway, so our first movie is Dracula. We wanted to talk about it. And then when we come back, well, let's take a quick break. We'll come right back. And we have a unique documentary we want to talk about with you. So you're listening to the Film Coterie Classics Edition Halloween special. We'll be right back. <laughs> Okay, the next film we're going to talk about for this special Halloween episode is a new documentary called 78-52. It's in theaters now, some theaters. It's on uh, VOD. You can rent it. And it's a documentary that exclusively looks at the shower scene from Psycho. It gets its name because it's 78 shots in 52 seconds. Now, just think about that right there. One of the most iconic scenes in movie history 
52 seconds long and 78 different shots. That is just incredible. And so uh, it's a documentary, like Adam said. And, and so, Adam, kind of walk us through the process of what this is about. And, and did you, first of all, did you enjoy this documentary? Um, documentaries like this kind of worry me before I've seen them because I worry if it's just going to be a glorified DVD extra. Could this have just been on a copy of Psycho as sort of a special feature? Thankfully, I think this one went above and beyond. I think it does stand on its own as a decent documentary. And I also think, I was kind of racking my brain, I don't think there's any other shot or scene in cinema that you could go this in-depth on because of its cultural relevance. This was earth-shaking when it came out. I mean, they're not kidding when they say it changed cinema. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, I mean, this this scene warrants a documentary. Well, they did their homework. Let's just give them credit for that. Yeah. Like you said, normally this could be a 15-minute add-on at the end of the Psycho movie in the special Blu-ray edition, which, sp- speaking of special editions, whatever print they got was phenomenal. Whatever cleaned-up new print that they got of this, where they show scenes from the movie, is excellent. And then they would flash to like more film grain scenes as well, and it was excellent as well, too. Um, but they did their homework. I mean, they would stop and they would show you literally frame by frame. And then they had the body double that was in the shower. They interviewed her and talked to her. Um, and they talked about the whole process. They, they talked about how nudity was viewed in film at that time. Uh, and they compared it to several other films and what actually Hitchcock got away with which is kind of shocking, you know, basically, basically he would send a cut of that scene to the, to the, to the, um, to universal. Yeah. To universal. And they're like, no, no, no. Okay. You got to cut this. You got to cut this. This is too much. This is this. And he would get it back and say, nah, you guys are just being old fuddy duddies. This, you know, you, you're, what was the, do you remember the word he used? It's like you think you saw that, but I didn't actually put that in the movie. Right. The The way the scene is shot, you think you see more than you do because there's some really quick shots in there. Right. So your brain connects the dots. Yep. And you may have thought you saw the knife going into her, but it's just a stabbing it's like motion. A, yeah, it's like a psychological phenomenon in your head right. kind of deal. Your brain does fill in gaps. Yeah. That's how film works anyway, but you never saw the violence. It's just a knife swinging and her reacting defensively. But you didn't see any graphic violence. Yeah. And, you know, many of you, if I said to you, remember watching that movie, the knife never touches her. You would say, oh, no, no, no. I, I, I remember her getting stabbed. I remember her being, you know, I remember the, I saw the blood in the bottom of the tub, you know, kind of a deal. And it's a mix. You remember the sound effects. You remember the score. I mean, the most iconic score of all time right there. That's the sound design that screeching sound the screeching violins and everything else oh absolutely it all works together to create something more horrific in your mind than what you actually saw on screen yeah absolutely so i i, I enjoyed the documentary I, i'm glad that they did their homework jamie lee curtis made an made a um uh an appearance at the end uh which is janet lee's daughter and so that was that was kind of interesting to get her perspective. And too. a lot of current filmmakers are in this talking yes. about it as well and how it inspired them or what they thought of it. And it was just interesting to see how this film, even that one, just that one scene out of the film, revolutionized and affected the whole horror genre moving forward. You know, what, what was the pattern they showed us? You know, it was this scene that the Italian filmmakers took and 
started putting certain scenes in where there were less restrictions about nudity and less restrictions about this. And then the American filmmakers grabbed a hold of what the Italians were doing, and we got all the more modern, the, the Halloweens and the different, you know. Yeah, and I was actually talking to you guys about that at the start of the month, the giallo. The Italian giallo films are what inspired the 80s slashers as we right. know it, yeah. or late 70s, early 80s, Halloween, Nightmare on Elm Street, you know, Friday the 13th, Sexy Death. Right. The Italians kind of, they actually took it from Psycho, did their own thing, and then re-inspired America. So it was a kind of a back and forth that, that yielded the 80s slashers and then, to us. And then would we even argue that the 80s stuff lent to the 90s splatterfests that we got? You know, some of the really extreme gore and some of that that came out, you know. Oh, that's the French. Okay. <laughs> that's true. It all comes back to the French, <laughs> don't it, Adam? <laughs> So anyway, interesting documentary. I'd recommend. I'd recommend watching it. You know. Yeah, and it wasn't. It's it's paced really well because it opens up and they're talking about the cultural impact of Psycho and that scene. Everything comes around to that scene. The technical side of things don't really happen till the end of the movie, when they actually start breaking down the shot and the right. angles and everything else. So the technical side's all at the end. The first part of the movie is all the cultural impact. Um, it confirms some um, urban legends I always heard. Yes. Hershey's chocolate syrup, yeah, was watered down, but that's what they used. Oh yeah, um, Hitchcock did some of the stabbing with his hand and the knife, you know, yep. while he was filming it. What other things did it confirm or deny uh, for you? He said the whole reason he shot in black and white was so he could, because he thought the blood would be too gruesome right. to see. I heard that too. That's the only way he thought it could be made. Yeah, because he had just shot North by Northwest in color. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one thing that surprised me is I didn't realize it was shot separately from the film. Yes. So they shot this scene first. Yes. And they put, I mean, they filmed seven days. Oh, yeah. It was just unbelievable the amount of, they said what would normally be a one-day shoot was like a seven or 17-day. It was incredibly added days onto it, you know. Yeah. So I didn't realize it was set, It was shot separately. Yeah. I mean, a ton of work went into that scene. Hitchcock knew it was the most important part of the film because we can spoil Psycho, right? Oh, Absolutely. He knew it was the most important part of the film because audiences weren't going to expect the main actress to go down. The film tricks you. She's yeah. got the money. She's on the run. You think the story's about her, and she's dead. She gets murdered early in the film, a third yeah. of the way through. And, and, yeah, in the end of the first act. So that was a surprise to audiences. And, I mean, that's why it was so important. So I just, like I said, I didn't know that this was actually filmed separately from the rest of the movie. And, you know, looking back on my first psycho experience of watching this film... Um, I saw it on VHS after the fact, you know, because I was just not old enough to see it when it was in theaters. And the shower scene, because maybe I had been desensitized to violence, had no impact on me, really. I mean, I was just, it was just like another scene. I thought, oh, okay. And you're seeing it 20-plus years later. Yes, yeah, 20-some years later. But the end of the movie messed me up. Because I, for some reason, even though it's implied, now spoiler alert, even though it's implied, the whole movie, the impact of Norman Bates's mother, and this, but to see that she was a mummified creature, you know that she was dead and had decayed and gruesome, and that freaked me out at the end of the movie. I, that was the lasting impact for me, you know. Uh, things I also didn't know. Um, I didn't know that Anthony Perkins wasn't the stunt person in the scene. It was actually a woman, a stunt woman, and they had painted her face pitch black. That's yep. what you, that you obscured when the camera, when the curtain gets pulled aside. 
She had to close her eyes, and her face was painted all the way black so you wouldn't see anything. Yeah. But that wasn't Anthony Perkins. So interesting documentary, 78 slash 52. uh, I'd recommend seeing it if you get a chance. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Adam, I think that's going to wrap it up for our special Halloween edition of the Film Coterie Classics Edition. Halloween special. Um, A lot coming down the pipes. Just... And I and look, I, I let Roger do the Halloween episode. I'm the horror nut. I, I generously gave it to him to do a classic episode. Thank you so much. But I appreciate that, buddy. That's because I'm doing a full Nightmares recap here soon. Yes. So, yeah, a lot of cool stuff. If we haven't put it already out already, Nightmares recap. We also saw a another documentary called Haunters that's currently available. Is it on iTunes? It's on iTunes and all VOD. All video on demand called Haunters. It's a documentary about all these haunted houses. So maybe you're listening. Attractions, not yeah. like ghost haunted house, like what yeah, people yeah, are filming. Yeah, the attractions that yeah. your teenagers go to to see, you know, to be scared. All these different haunted forests and stuff. Well, guess what? You know, the movie has sparked some controversy because of one of the characters and one of the haunts in that. And uh, we here at the Film Coterie are going to interview that director. So um, that's going to be exciting coming down the pipe here pretty soon. So. Uh, a lot of good content coming up. Well, anyway, we're going to let you go. Thanks for listening to a classics edition of the Film Coterie. And, uh, man, we'll see you at the movies. Welcome to a secret, scary, special edition of the <laughs> of the Halloween. <laughs> it's already off to a good start. We're full of candies, so just blame. We're all sugared up on this. Blame that on the sugar high. Special Halloween scary. We need Vincent Price. It's not the same without Vincent Price doing our opening. I, I have a feeling Vincent Price was in this opening we just don't know yet (laughs) okay your technical magic (laughs) let's put it this way we're going to travel back in time and i'm going to put vincent price (laughs) in the opening introduction